guys your Bibles, as I said earlier, you can go to the book of James, and we're going we're gonna to jump around in Scripture this morning. We're going to continue the series, Breaking and Living Free, this morning. This morning, I'm going to teach a message on speaking words of life. How many of you have ever had someone say something negative to you before, and it just really rubbed you the wrong way, and you really just wanted to respond and, and not words of life, you just really wanted to say something negative? We all have been there. And uh, so before we get into the, the depth of the teaching on how we speak words of life and what's the importance of that, I want to take a look at the life cycle of the lion and begin to look at the five stages of the lion. And I believe that you can begin to identify in your own life maybe these areas where you believe the lie or someone has said a lie, spoken a lie over, over you. You can begin to recognize these areas. You can begin to apply the truth of the scripture to your life. Y'all Amen. Amen. You can begin to apply the truth of the scripture to the area that you begin to uh, have behaviors spring up in your life as a result of this lie. And so James gives us, gives us this indication or this life cycle, if you will. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now if you'll flip back, I know we were in Genesis earlier, but we're going to go back to Genesis and take a look at, at the very first sin and begin to take a look at how lies affect our lives. So Genesis chapter 3, and the verses will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible, but I want to encourage you. Bring your Bible. If you have your Bible on your phone or your iPad, or you have, I, I love hearing. I said this last week. I love hearing pages turn in Scripture. I think we need to add a sound effect and preaching just so we can hear those pages turn. It's good to, to take notes and underline. Genesis chapter three, verse one says, "Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Has God indeed said?" You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, and the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And verse 4 says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and themselves covered them. So I want to take a look at what happened here in Genesis and begin to compare, and, and some of you are laughing at me because I say naked. <laughs> I have to apologize that that stuff is even coming out. Uh, there are certain words that I say that I just can't help until it comes out just other way, so I apologize. But the life cycle of, of, of sin, or of the lie, five things here that I want to point out. And if you have your bulletins, there are notes if you want to take notes. I know sometimes folks like to take notes there are in the bulletin as well. But the first thing that we see here from James is James 1 14 says that there is a desire that is produced. Now, the, the woman was standing at the tree in the garden. Obviously, she was in the vicinity of the tree, she was looking at the tree. And, and why would you, if God said, don't touch or eat, why would you go next to the very thing that God says, don't participate in? Right. And uh, for you, that might be if you have an alcohol problem. 
Why would you go hang out at the bar? Now that's an obvious example, but, but the reality here is true, that if, if there is a particular area of our life that is uh, an area of sin, why go hang out where we're going to be enticed by that sin? Uh, maybe you have an emotional uh, struggle in your life. If there's a particular uh, area of your life that you're struggling with, why put yourself in that position to be tempted? And so that's the first thing, the first step that we see in the life cycle of the sin is in Genesis 3.1, she was there and the serpent began to talk. The serpent knew right where she was going to be because there was a desire in her heart and she was enticed, that next step, she was enticed in Genesis 3.1, serpent says to her, well, did God really say that? What did God really say? We begin to doubt God's word. That's, that's the next step in that life cycle of the life. We begin to doubt, what did God really say about this situation? What did God really say about eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What did, what did God really tell her? And then thirdly, it moves from enticement to conception. The woman began to talk and converse with the lie. Now, it's one thing to begin to have the lie talk to you, but when you begin to receive that lie into your life and you start a conversation with that lie, why not just stop the lie at point go and say, no, devil, no lie, no sin. That's not what God's best is for my life. That's not what God's intended for my life. And how many times do we find ourselves starting to have a conversation or a debate with the lie because there's a, there's a part of our heart that's been enticed find out and discover what that sin is all about. And then from conception to birth, James 1.15 that gives birth, we see this in the woman, that she has a conversation with the lie, and then the serpent begins to question God's authority. Now it's moved from having a conversation with the lie and, and doubting God's word to now doubting God's authority. Well, you will be livestock. And we begin to question the authority of God in our lives. And that's, that's probably one of the key areas where the enemy begins to gain influence in our lives. But a lot of times we think of this, this idea of the enemy coming against us as a, as a big, scary monster, you know, Halloween monster coming, coming after us. And a lot of times that's not the case. If the enemy can just create a little bit of doubt in what God said or his authority, his word and his authority, we begin to live and act on those doubts. And we begin to respond out of fear and uh, begin to live a life based on that life. And it begins to mature and grow towards death. That sixth step, she believed on the lie and asked God. You know, there's one point here, though, that I'd like to make about the life cycle of life. And that is this, is we see in Scripture, God spoke to Adam, told Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam then goes and tells Eve, don't eat of the knowledge, tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's a difference between having an understanding of a, a revealed a revelation word from God in your personal life to just having someone tell you this is what God says. I can stand up here all day long and tell you this is what the Bible says and you need to do this for your life. But it's totally different when you get a revelation from God for yourself about what he said. See, the woman didn't have that personal revelation. She was going off of what she had been told. And in order for that lie to begin to be produced, and Adam's life, the enemy had to come in through the back door, shall we say, of something he wants. See, when you have a revelation of who God is and what God's doing, sometimes the enemy will come at us, not, not with blatant sin or blatant errors, but he comes after the very things that are uh, 
uh, enjoyments of ours, our pleasures of ours, our people that we love, our things that we love, begins to influence us through, through that person that we love, that thing that we love, yeah. versus that all-out attack. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, maybe, maybe there's an area of your life where you've been struggling, or you feel like there's a particular lie in your life that, man, I just can't seem to break free from this. Begin to identify these cycles in your life, these steps in your life, and say, okay, God, how do I get victory over this? How do I begin to apply what the scripture says? Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so how do you begin to have a revelation of the truth of God in your life? And so we're going to continue this week on speaking words of life. Last week we talked about walking in the spirit, how we are to walk with purpose and balance, observation, that we have uh, we have an intention, we have a purpose, we know where we're headed, we're not uh, just haphazardly on a journey, walking haphazardly, but when we walk in the Spirit, we begin to come in order with and alignment with the Spirit of God, we begin to take step after step, action after action. It might be a baby step, maybe God's challenging you with dealing with past offenses and hurts in your life. A couple weeks ago we talked about releasing offense. Maybe God's working in that area of your life to release a particular offense in your life. You have to begin to take step after step to forgive yeah. and pray for that person and begin to release them. Maybe it's an addiction or a struggle. You have to begin to take action yeah. and begin to get your life in order with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take a look at this morning. What does it mean when we speak words of life? How do we speak words of life? And why do we speak words of life? So in Matthew chapter 13, you have your Bibles, you go to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus shares this parable about seeds being sown. In Matthew chapter 13, in verse 18, it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Verse 22 says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred some 60, some 30 fold. And then verse 37 and 38 says this. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So a couple of things that Jesus points out here about sowing seed. First off, he says that the, in verse 19, it's a picture of the seed sown but stolen. In verse 19, when anyone hears the word and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and steals it. In verse 23, we see the Seed being sown and it producing fruit. And then in 37 and 38, Jesus says this, and this is where I want to point out for each of us today, is that he answered them and says, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Jesus is sowing seed, and this is the seed that he's sowing. Continue. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Jesus said that you and I are the seeds that he is sowing into the world around us. We are the good seed, and as believers in Christ, we are the seed that he's sowing. To the world. And so I want to ask you this morning, 
What seed is being produced out of your life? What fruit is coming out of your life this morning? As you begin to speak, your words are like seeds. The, the Greek word that's used for seed here is the word fur, which obviously means the foundations of life. It's the Greek word which implies the root or the, the basic necessities of life. And so Jesus is saying, what fruit is being produced by the seed that you and I are being sown? The seed that we are sown into, the, as, as it relates to speaking words of life, God begins to sow us into the, if you will, the souls of people around us, the mind, the will, and the emotions of people. As we begin to speak words of life, it affects the soulish men, the mind. You remember last week we talked about the mind, the will, and the emotions. We begin to affect those around us. Here's what that looks like. If you go around all day at work, complaining, griping, criticizing, tearing people down, the work environment you, you are creating is probably negative, it's heavy, it is anti-anything uh, life-giving. But when you begin to find someone, and even uh, you know, even in, in daily life, if you go up to someone as you're walking, Gary and I were just talking about this a couple weeks ago, and as you're out walking through the store, you're you're going about your daily business, find find someone that's doing their job well and compliment them. Hey, I really like how you're stocking the shelf today. Thank you so much for helping me find that. And you begin to sow seeds of life into that person. And, and you begin to open a door to begin to share Christ with that person just in that simple conversation. And so we're going to take a look at how and why we do this. And so the first thing I want to take a look at is in 1 Peter chapter 1, says this, Since you have purified your souls, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, says, Since you have purified your souls and obeyed the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That little tiny seed, that one word that you speak, has the very essence of life within it. And what you begin to sow, if I, if I go out and I plant an apple seed, what am I going to get out of that apple seed? I'm going to get an apple tree. And so whatever word you begin to sow in that other person's life is the fruit that's produced. Now that, that seed, that little tiny seed, contains everything necessary for that fruit to be produced. That little tiny seed, that one word of encouragement, that one word of hope, that one word of life, contains everything necessary to produce the life of God in someone else's life. It's just a question of whether or not you'll sow the seed of life, or you'll sow seeds of death and hurt. And so this Scripture here in First Peter talks about the incorruptible seed. That we're not we're not born of corruption. You and I do not have the, the corruptible seed within us. And we're we've been born again of incorruptible seed. You and I have the nature of Christ within us. You and I have the life of God within us. And each of us have the ability to begin to speak the words of Christ, the words of life into someone around us. Three sources of seeds that we'll talk about. First off is the God kind of seeds. And God begins to sow seeds of life and supernatural hope in our lives. And we can receive those seeds into our life. We begin to take those seeds in, allow them to germinate and produce life in us. And then there's seeds of the flesh. 
All of us are probably familiar with those seeds. We probably speak those a lot in our lives as well. I don't like you. You'll never be good enough. You can never do that. You are ugly. Let me tell you, you need to change that outfit this morning. Husbands, if your wife ever asks you, how do I look this morning? That's a trick question. You look beautiful this morning. You're sowing seeds of life. By faith, you're going to sow seeds of life. Whether it's true or not, by faith, you're going to sow seeds of life. You begin to speak hope. Sometimes you, you may look at your situation and you may look at that person and say, man, there is no way you're ever going to get this. And inside, you have that carnal nature just rocking and rolling, and you just want to say everything negative and hurtful, tear them down, and rip them apart. But instead, you say, okay, God, help me to have the eyes of faith. God, you spoke. You saw me destitute. You saw me a, a miserable sinner. You saw me messed up, hurt, yeah. full of rejection, full of everything vile. And you began to speak words of justification. You began to speak words of life. You begin to draw me and drew me in by your love. And so I need to begin to see others around me as you saw me. I need to begin to speak words of life. And of course, there's the devil, as we talked about this earlier, the enemy always brings doubt and discouragement when it comes to God's word and his authority. It's full of deception. The problem, we talked about this last week, the problem with deception is you often don't know that you're deceived. Just by its nature, you don't understand that you're deceived in that moment. And so we have to have a revelation from God. We have to have the truth of God applied to our lives. So the three R's of, of sowing seeds this morning. First off, we have the opportunity to receive the seed. We have an opportunity to receive the word of this God. When someone comes to you and they begin to speak what I call a curse, something that's negative, something that's that's contrary to the definition of a curse, something that's contrary to the word of God, it's not hocus pocus, it's something that's contrary to the word of God, if they begin to speak that negative word over you, you can receive that into your life or you can begin to reject it. You can allow that thing to come in and, and begin to receive it, or you can say, that's not what the word of God says for my life. In Mark chapter 4, Verses 1 through 9, it says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in the teaching, Listen, behold, the sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it, some fell on stony ground, and did not have much earth. Immediately sprang up because it had been left of her. But when the sun was up, it scorched it because it had no root and withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and seed that produced some thirty fold, some sixty, and some hundred. So God wants us to produce His fruit, His life in our lives, His fruit in our lives, not, not fruit of brokenness and hurt. We need to begin to reject those words and not receive those words into our lives and begin to apply the truth. And when they do come, as many of us have probably faced in our lives, because we all know that there are people out there, whether it's your parents or your co-workers, friends, there's going to be somebody who says something negative over your life. Anybody had anything negative spoken to them within, let's say, the past 24 hours? Anybody ever have anything negative spoken? Of course, we all have. And maybe you're here this morning and you've received 
goes directly to your life. And as we talked last week, the, the root of bitterness has come in. And this, this root system has begun to develop in your life of offense and bitterness. Sometimes we've got to go through and begin to pull out by the roots those seeds that have taken root in our lives and say, you know what, that's not from God. That, that root system, that behavior that's produced a, a bondage and addiction or hurt or rejection, all of these things, I need to begin to pull out those roots and only receive what God says about my life. So there's receiving. The second R of, of seed sowing is retaining. You can receive a word as you're talking. You can then go through and meditate on those words and then begin to germinate. You can take those words in and then begin to germinate in your life. In Psalms chapter 1, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, in Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You begin to meditate, he says, in his law. In, in his law, he meditates. You begin to receive the word of God into your life. You begin to allow it to germinate, take root in your life, and it begins to affect who you are. And you can allow the negative words and things that people say about your life to germinate and take root and produce the fruit that, that those negative things produce. Or you can take the word of God Begin to understand what the scriptures say about your life. What the scriptures say about who you are. What the scriptures say. What does God say about your life? You begin to take that in. You begin to meditate on that word. You begin to meditate. God, what are you saying about my life? That, that nothing, as we said this morning, nothing can separate me from the love of God. There's nothing in this life that can separate me from his love. And he's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light to declare his excellence. There's, there's nothing that can separate me from that. God, I'm thankful that it's not by works of righteousness that I've been saved. It's not how, how good or how horrible of a person I am. You've chosen me. You've called me. You're the one that's redeemed my life out of the pit. You begin to meditate on that word. And you can go home and sit in your, in your bedroom and isolate yourself. And you can begin to meditate on all the negative things out there and all the problems and all the junk and all the issues. And she did this. He did this. He said that. And you can just become a pile of negativity. Or you can begin to put in the word of God and say, this is what, and you begin to speak to yourself. Say, self, we're not going to sit. I'm not going to sit in, in, a, in a pile of negativity. I'm not going to go isolate myself. I'm not going to become a depressed person and, and isolate myself. I'm going to begin to meditate on the word of God. This is what the word of God says for my life. This is what the word of God says about the situation. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to allow it to produce fruit in my life versus the things of this life. I'm going to live. I'm going to live according to the Spirit of God and not according to the negative condition of this life. I'm going to meditate on God's word and not circumstance. Sometimes it's easy to do. Sometimes it's easy. This week we were we had several things going on, and this Friday I woke up. Friday, oh man, we've got celebration of life. There's rain issues going on. Are we going to be inside or be outside? And, and all the other things. I had three or four things on the side of my plate dealing with on Friday. Uh, major things. And then we had several folks with surgeries and issues. And you know, you want to be a pastor for them. And I just said, man, I don't know. I just want to go home. I sit in my room. It's raining outside. It's cold. 
God, thank you for what you're speaking and doing in my life. How can I share that with someone? How can I encourage someone else around me? We become so inward focused and so centered around our world that we forget there are people around us who are hurting and who are broken and who are messed up. And even those who look just as good as probably you do, they just need a word of encouragement. They just need somebody to say, hey, God's doing this in my life. I'm struggling in this area. This is what God's spoken to me. Maybe it will encourage you. We encourage. Why do we do this? We encourage. We edify ourselves. I think of David in 1 Samuel, in verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 3 through 6. It says, When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives, David's two wives have been taken captive. And, and those folks in their name can be Have you ever wondered why they named the people in the Bible the way they did? I'm sure they would probably say the same about us today. Verse 6 it says, Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered each one because of his sons and his brothers, but David strengthened himself in the Lord's power. You know, that's a, that's a pretty severe situation. As a leader of a group of people, you come in, the, the city's been taken captive, everybody's been taken uh, captive, they've all been robbed, they've wives and kids, everybody's gone, everything's burned, everything's destroyed. And not only are you dealing with that as a leader, but now, now the people that are left, the people that you are leading and still remain, they want to sacrifice <coughs> They want to kill you. Now that's a pretty, pretty hard situation to deal with. And so David is bitter. He's stirred up. And he says this, the Bible says this, that he strengthened himself in the Lord. There are times, like I said earlier, you have to encourage yourself and edify yourself and exhort yourself in the Lord. You've got to be, again, just stir yourself up. God, thank you that you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. God, I know this situation is trying difficult, but in the middle of it, I know that you are going to give me glory, and I'm going to enjoy you in the middle of this situation. We were talking about that in, in the prayer time before service. Someone was sharing about how we often share, uh, people ask, well, why, why do people fall on the floor? And we, we often say uh, that that's God's operating thing. While you're down here, God, you're surgery, medicine, God, puts things in. And this particular person said, I feel like I'm on a walking Basically, a walking operating table. Everywhere I go, God's cutting things out, putting things in. You ever felt like that? Everywhere you go, you're just living in the fire. Well, in the middle of those fire times, you know that God is perfecting you, He's changing you. And so you begin to say, God, in the middle of this situation, in the middle of this fire, God, I know you're working all things together for my good and your glory. The effects of speaking words of life, as I said, affect generations that are far reaching. They're long lasting. Proverbs 18, 21. We said last week, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any rooted bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. And so we have to speak words that encourage and build others up, that don't create root systems of offense, root systems that hurt others, that then cause, as Hebrews says, causes others to fall short. Words that offend and not words that build up. 
Have you ever noticed that when you're talking, the only part of your body that doesn't get tired is your tongue? Have <laughs> you ever noticed that, especially, never mind, I won't say that. I started to say it with women, but I paused myself. Hey, I think there were women. And the only, it's the only part of the body. It doesn't get tired. Hey, I'm just a guilty as she can help us, help us, or you're on. I'm not allowed to say amen. And so we have to be aware of what we're saying when we're filled with seeds of water, seeds of hope, words that encourage, words that build up. How do we do this? First off, we need to know the Lord. You know him. You have a revelation of him. John 10 and 4 says, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, follow him, for they know his voice. And so we know that um, as we know Christ, we begin to follow, and we follow his example. And he's speaking words of life. He's speaking words of hope. He's speaking words of encouragement and edifying. And so we begin to do likewise. And then we do it because we need to avoid judging them. Now this is, I know challenging. How many of you ever find yourselves in a situation where you would judge and, and assume the motive and the intent, making assumptions about why people do the things they do? I know nobody ever has done that. When you're in a situation, you say, well, I know why they did that. Well, they're saying this because I know their motive is this. And you have no idea why they're doing have no clue. So your, your natural man is trying to make that assumption and you're creating strife in your own life before you ever get to full details. So let me encourage you, avoid the judgment and begin to speak words like, go to the person. The Bible says go to them. Brother, could you go to them? And begin to talk with them and find don't go ready to start a war, but go ready to speak words of life and begin to find out what's the cause of this. Where is this coming from? 1 Corinthians 13, we all know the scripture, I'm sure. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. I would encourage you, instead of the word love, put your name right there. Yeah. Instead, of, instead of saying love, put your name right in the middle of it. Love is patient. Love is kind. In other words, it might say something like this. Zach is patient. Zach is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked does not take into account long suffering. does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Begin to have a revelation of God, have a revelation of his word. This is the fruit that's produced. God is love, and this is the fruit that's produced. Yeah. We must begin to agree with the word of God about the work of God. Say that again. We must learn to agree with the word of God about the work of God in others' lives. What does God say about that situation? Well, you don't understand the situation. You don't understand the situation right up front with them. And if you might be dealing with, there's some here today, you might be dealing with a difficult situation. You might have a rough past and, and situations that, that are harmful, uh, hurtful. Maybe a parent has done or said something that maybe you grew up. The classic example, maybe you grew up in, in, a, in a pastor's home and, and dealt with difficult things. Maybe you grew up in, in a deacon's home because they're much worse than the pastor's kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, 
James chapter 4, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn there and your phone, whatever. This is one of those that uh, I use a lot in premarital and marriage counseling. How many of you have ever run across in your marriage arguments and issues? Raise your hand. Everybody who's married might have their hand up. Everybody's run across issues and probably had uh, some sort of uh, argument, something come up that you disagree James gives us an indication of where that comes from. James shows us right here, if you want the key to success in your marriage, I'm going to give you number one key to success in your marriage right here. James chapter 4, and everybody's taking notes, especially the men, right? James chapter 4, verse 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you don't have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasure. In other words, what James is talking about here, where do those fights and quarrels and all that come from? Bottom line, if you were unmet expectations. Instead of speaking words of life, instead of encouraging one another, instead of communicating, you begin to fight because you're not speaking the words of life and encouraging and healing, you're just tearing each other down. And Demanding your way or wanting something, not getting it, so getting into an argument over it. It's got really quiet in here. <laughs> so I want to encourage you this morning as we close today, you begin to speak words of life, words of encouragement. Find someone, maybe today, find someone that you can bring to encourage. This is something that I've, I've done in my own life, and I'll share it with you. Maybe it'll help you. I ask God to start my day many days, many days. I can't say that every day, but many days I would say, God, give me a scripture today for something. Just give me a scripture. Just give me a promise today for some problem. At the start of the day, just ask God to give you that scripture. Meditate on the scripture throughout the day. What does that mean? What does that mean? As God begins to stir that scripture in your, in your spirit, you begin to meditate on it and think about it. Then say, okay, God, who's it for? Go through the rest of your day. I'm going to look at who's this word for? Who am I going to give this scripture to? Who's God speaking to today? And then all of a sudden, God puts somebody in your right across your path that needs the word of encouragement that He gave you at the start of your day. You say, you know what? I've been praying all day for 
I've been waiting for God to send you across my path today. God gave me this word for you today to share with him what God spoke to you. You might be surprised at how you encouraged and be blind to that person. Dustin had all of the time. You left your house prepared to be blind. Just like you leave your house prepared to work or do whatever it is you're doing today, you leave your house prepared 